It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard, your host. I am also one of the certified financial planners on the show. Thanks for being with us. With me in the KFG studios, a a bearded or more gruff Kevin Corhorn for the season. In between us, Josh Gregory. Yeah, it's good to be here, Mike. My wife says I've got a hedgehog on my face. <laughs> so I think it looks good. I think it looks uh, good. Thank you. Well, hey, one of the most common questions that a financial advisor gets asked, especially towards the end of the year, is how much can I give without it being taxable? And on today's show, we're going to answer that question as well as discuss some new gifting strategies to consider that the tax laws are all brand new as of January of 2018. Yeah. I I think this is one of the most common questions that financial advisors get asked. It's about it's about gifting and taxes and all of that. So we're going to be hitting that today. A great question from Eileen is teeing that up. We've got some other questions we're going to hit as well. If you have a question or have any needs, reach out to us. We'd love to help you. You can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can call or text us, 574-222-2000. Yep, call or text, 574-222-2000. Social media as well. We've got every episode on the YouTube channel. You can check us out right there. Facebook, Twitter, like it, subscribe, all that sort of stuff. Just search Wise Money Radio. All right, as Kevin prefaced, we're kicking today's program off with a great question from Eileen. She's 67 from Buchanan. Here's what she asked. For Christmas this year, we'd like to give each of our two kids a sizable gift from an inheritance that we received this year. We're thinking 25000 each. Very generous. Mm-hmm. Will that be taxable to them or to me? Yeah, I, I like how you preface this by saying that this is a question that we hear on a regular basis, especially this time of year, because, uh, it, you know, it's it's maybe more common than you think that someone might receive an inheritance or they have some dollars and they want to bless their family around the Christmas holidays. And when you start getting into some of these larger dollar amounts, um, you know, the concern is, well, is this going to hurt them in some way? Yeah, I'm, I'm intending to help. Is this going to harm? Exactly. And I think most people's minds go to, is this going to be treated as income to them in some way? And the good news is, if if you were to actually scrutinize the tax return and, and look at the front page of your return, what you won't find there is a line that says, gifts received. That is not income to the recipient. But we still talk about periodically this idea of gift taxes, which is a totally different animal. But when you write a check and you give it to a family member, you're giving them cash, essentially, that is not income to them. So let's at least just put uh, Eileen's mind at rest here. Go ahead and gift that cash if you want to. It's not going to be income to them. Doesn't mean it's not the only issue that we need to to think about, though. Right. If you're giving a gift and you're writing the check out of your checkbook, likely the taxes have already been paid on that. Mm -hmm. But there can be situations where if you give it to your children, it could be taxable. So if you're gifting $25,000 of stock to your children, you're also gifting them your basis. So if it was $50,000 of stock that you were cutting in half and your basis was $10,000, 
each of the children would have $5,000 of basis in the $25,000 that they receive. Okay, so let's let me interject here because there's some um, jargon jargon yeah. jargon going on there. Mm-hmm. Basis that Kevin's referring to is uh, a tax term that a CPA would use to define the money that's already been taxed. So if you bought some stock years and years ago and it has grown in value, your cost basis is the portion of that investment that you've already paid tax on and the growth or the gains, kind of the the profit, if you will, that has accumulated over the years, that has not been taxed. And if you sell it during your ownership or during your lifetime, you will pay tax on that potentially. It at least has to be counted as income to you. It's a capital gain is the term that Mm -hmm. the CPA would use. If you gift that stock and it's your kids who sell it, then they are the ones who end up counting that capital gain as income to them. Mm-hmm. So that's why Kevin's drawing a distinction here between writing a check, giving cash, which has none of that capital gain built into it. There is no taxable hit that comes with cash or writing a check to them, but an investment that you give to them, that could have tax implications for them. We got, although that's clear to me, hopefully it's clear to you as well, we got complicated pretty quick. I, I, let's let's take it back to a little more basic level. You're writing a check and, and gifting money to a family member or another individual. Yeah. The IRS has something. Josh, you said it perfect. It's not income tax, but is there gift tax on that? Well... The IRS has an annual gift exclusion amount, which is $15,000 per person. So you don't, we don't even need to talk about taxes. You don't even need to tell the IRS if it's below 15000 And there's this very interesting thing that the IRS put in that, um, in that section of the code about gift splitting. So, Eileen, you reference us, I think, a couple times in your question. So I, I presume you're married. So technically... You and your husband can each give fifteen thousand to one of the kids. So, that, so that's thirty. And if one of the kids is married, you and your husband can each give fifteen to each of them. So that's now sixty thousand that you can give. And not only is it not taxed, you don't even need to tell the IRS about it. Not even a report. Yeah, and in, in the spirit of the jargon-free zone, though, gift splitting that makes sense to us because we've been this is our life. Mm-hmm. But gift splitting doesn't might not make sense to someone who's hearing it for the first time. So Joshua is probably the best guy ever to explain gift splitting. Okay, I appreciate that. Uh, So to me, gift splitting is really just each of the two spouses taking advantage of that $15,000 a year coupon that Mike was referring to. Each of you are allowed to give $15,000. Mike described it well. Um, don't just think uh, that you, Eileen, can give 15000 and then that's the, the end. You wanted to give them twenty five. Well, you can use your 15000 freebie with the IRS, and your husband could as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are not married, Eileen, but your child is, as Mike said, you could give 15000 technically to your son and daughter-in-law then. That's right. That's right. So you can create uh, – it, 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 counts as a bigger amount that you can give to someone without needing to tell the IRS. And sometimes if you don't understand how all this works, it can be confusing because, Eileen, this $50,000 might have come from an inheritance from your parents. And so you say, well, can I really do gift splitting? If I'm married, can I do gift splitting because this is really my money? Look, the money in your checking account, the IRS doesn't care whose money that is. 
So you yes, you can use your coupon. So you have fifteen thousand dollars. Your husband has a fifteen thousand dollar coupon. So technically, you could give thirty thousand dollars to each of your children without any issues, no matter whose money it is. You know, th- there may be someone listening out there who wants to gift even larger dollar amounts. Maybe there's a just a massive blessing that you want to pour on a loved one. And it goes above and beyond 15000 And even if you got creative and you and your spouse were both gifting, it's still too too big. The, the assurance, I guess, that I would give you is that there's an even bigger coupon that all of us get to use during our entire lifetime. It's over $11 million. That's crazy. Okay? Yeah. Here in 2018, it's $11,180,000. You're allowed to gift that amount of money, spread it out throughout your lifetime or at death, and still pay no gift tax. But you have to report on that gift if you're creeping over that 15000 number that Mike was referring to earlier. Yep. You have to tell the IRS. You have to file a gift tax return. There's no tax due. So when people ask me that, I tell them, yeah, there's there's no tax involved. You'll have to file the return, and that costs money, and there's a little time involved with that, but it should, shouldn't really be much. But there's no tax that's right. It's that. more of an administrative just reporting so that you can keep tabs and the IRS keeps tabs on how much of that $11 million amount you've used up. Mm-hmm. Most of us don't have a problem uh, exceeding that $11 million <laughs> no. mark, right? And remember, mom and dad, charity starts at home. <laughs> so one thing that I would like to get into, and I don't think we're going to have time in this segment, though, I would like to get into the question for Eileen, are you gifting or are you waging? So okay. can we can we hit that uh, in the next segment? Yeah. So we also need to talk about you know a lot of times when you're um, motivated to give, um, you're thinking intentions. And Kevin, I think that might be what you're alluding to. And one other area that we're going to be touching on then is well, what if you gift um, to a son or daughter for the education of your grandchild or something like that. And how does that work? Because actually the rules are a little different when you're using a 529 and plus you want to take advantage of some tax benefits as well. So we're going to get into that. And then lastly, talk about all this giving person to person. This is the time of year when you're giving to charities as well. And with the tax law changes, it's going to be important that you know, well, are you doing it the right way to get as much benefit as you can? We're going to hit all of that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. How do the new tax laws impact your gifting strategies this time of year? You got to be intentional about it. You you have to be aware of what to do. We're going to be talking about that in just a second. Share with you the new gifting strategies so that you can make your year-end giving with all the lights on. We're so glad that you're with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Gosh, I've missed all of us being together. It's been it's been a while it's since the three of time. us yeah. have been here. So thank you to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, as well as First State Bank, for making the Wise Money Show possible. Appreciate that very much. If you have any questions, we're right in the middle of one from Eileen. If you have a question, reach out to us, wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit questions right there on the right. They turn into emails and come right to me. 
Or you can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. And lastly, on social media, you can follow, you can like, you can submit questions that way as well. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, just search Wise Money Radio. All right, let me just hit that again. Uh, we're, we're sort of wrapping up. Eileen's question, she's 67, from Buchanan. For Christmas this year, she wanted to give each of the two kids a sizable gift from an inheritance that she received 25,000 to each of the kids will it be taxable we just addressed the annual gift tax exclusion and some other kind of fancy things there but the short answer Eileen is is no but there are a couple layers below that we need to to hit Kevin you were talking about the motivation for for giving yeah and I think it's important to consider but just a quick true story when I was in college I had a dog named Vicky and she had three legs because she'd gotten shot by during hunting season, and so she had three legs. And I had I adopted a cat. It was a stray cat, and I brought it in and took care of it. And it had three legs, and I named it Eileen. Oh, geez. and um, it, is that this, a true story? That is a true story. That is a true story. So I was the I, guy with the three-legged cat and the three-legged dog. And uh, Eileen's one of my top ten favorite uh, woman names. So there you go. Anyway, uh, that, excuse that aside. My, my brain. So, um, so the but the question is: as you're giving money, and we deal with internal finance, and we see um, when things are done absolutely just very well, and and things aren't, and there can be some unintended consequences. So, Eileen, one of the things that I would encourage you to consider, and if you are married, to talk to your husband about this: is why are we doing this? Why are we giving the money to our children? I'm going to assume your motives are pure. Our job is never to make value judgments. um, Or if we're working with you as a client, our job is never to tell you what to do. But our job is to talk to to you through the internal finance and the uh, potential unintended consequences. So I like to talk to folks and think along the lines of, hey, this money is meant to be a blessing. We, we at least know that. So the question is, is this money going to bless the children? Is it going to accelerate their progress? Or is it going to be, is it going to create an obstacle for them? Is it going to create a distraction in their life? And normally, if you've already thought, hey, I'm going to make this gift, you'd never think the second. You, you would just always think, no, 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 this is going to, this is really going to be a benefit to them. But, but Kevin, what you're talking about then is, no, 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 pause for just a second and say, what are some potential unintended consequences here? And that's difficult to do sometimes because you don't know, you, you know, the spirit that you are giving the gift. You don't know how it's going to be received, though. And I, I've had clients where I work with more than one generation within a family mm-hmm. And I have spoken with the giver and I've spoken with the receiver and there's a mismatch in how, you know, the, the spirit behind the, the reception or the, the transaction that's given where, you know, one, uh, one parent, for example, is thinking, well, this is just sort of an advance on their inheritance. They know that they're getting some of their money ahead of, um, you know, what they would be receiving when I pass away. And the recipient 
I've I've observed before an unintended consequence of them maybe becoming a little bit reckless because they just know they can keep going back to that well anytime they want. And what's the difference between me receiving it now versus me receiving it down the road? The difference could be in the habits that that recipient forms or doesn't form. Right. Because you're actually protecting them from consequences in their life or you're, you're, you're maybe making resources available that they didn't have to work hard to earn. And that can change someone over time. Yeah, unearned money is, the, is kind of the hardest money to handle by far. And it takes um, skill and character to be able to handle money. You can have both of those at 18 and you can lack both of those at 68. So it's not necessarily an age-based thing. So when I'm coaching up clients in the gifting area, I tell them I, to oversimplify. I just say, hey, is this a gift or is it a wage? A gift is no strings attached. Here, this is your money. Do whatever you want with it. You can walk down the street and give it to a homeless person. I don't care. You can uh, take the kids to Disneyland. You can whatever you want to do. You go do it. A wage is, hey, I'm giving you this money, but there's something expected in exchange. And I personally don't have any problem with a second one, Mm -hmm. especially if your children could use some some help or some guidance. If your children financially have it all going on and they're working with a certified financial planner, I'm going to trust that they've prioritized their financial life and they know exactly where they would put the next 25,000. But if they're not working with a financial planner or they've got some financial issues, you might, as a parent, want to attach some strings to this mm-hmm. and say, hey, these are the things that I, I would hope that you would do with it. Right. So the point is to be clear, communicate, understand your own intentions, but then communicate with, with the recipient and and so on. So this, I, I know this is tricky. This is it's 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 behavioral finance. It's internal. But we've seen challenges with this, which is mm-hmm. why we want to make uh, make you aware of it. There was something else related to giving, Kevin, that you brought up, the circumstance you had with a client recently about a, a similar size, a gift, okay. but regarding to a 529 plan. Can you hit that real quick? Because giving, when you're putting money in a 529 plan, you've got to consider a couple different things with that. Yeah, if you live in Indiana or if you have income in Indiana and you pay tax on that income in Indiana, there's something very unique about the Indiana 529 plan. And that is that I can put $5,000 into the 529 plan and think 5000 per tax return. Yeah. So if I'm an individual or I'm a couple, I can put 5000 in. I get a 20% credit on that up to $1,000. So a lot of people in Indiana think, well, the most I can put into a 529 plan is $5,000. Nope. You can put a whole lot more in that, but into it, but that's the, that's all that you can put in and get your $1,000 credit per year. Correct. So I was working with a client who had an event and had a, let's, let's say $50,000 and said, Hey, I want to split this money between my girls. I want 25 to go to each of their accounts. So I said, okay. And, and um, they said, this is for education. The purpose, I want this money to fund their education. So I just want to put it in their 529 plan and be done. And I'll check the box and I have peace of mind knowing that it's done. And I, I love their heart and yeah. I, I love their spirit and, and their excitement about getting some goals achieved. But 
what I had to explain to them was if you take that and do it all in one year, you're going to get your your $1,000 credit that year. Yeah, you'll get one you'll get a $1,000 credit on that $25,000 that you put in. Right. Each. Mhm. If you tip it on its side and you put $5,000 in over the next 10 years, you'll get $10,000 of credit. Yeah, 1,000 a year on so, that same amount of money. Right. So the question is would I rather have 1,000 or would I rather have 10,000? And they it was it was difficult because of their exuberance to get the job done. And what I encourage them to do is put 2500 into each of the 529s and then set up a, a joint account for husband and wife and put the 45000 in that. Let that grow, and every year we'll peel 5000 out of that account into the 529. You know, where my mind goes when I hear uh, advice like that is it's marrying together the investment objective of growing an account for retire or for college in this case with the tax planning. Yeah. And the two strategies have to inform each other. They have to be integrated together. Otherwise, as you point out, that could have been $9,000 worth of tax credits left on the table never claimed for your family's benefit. That's why we love financial planning. Right. Yeah, we talk about absolutely. it every show. That is why we love financial planning. You're not going to get that. You're not going to see it if you're not doing comprehensive financial planning. All right. We've got to talk about the new gifting strategies that you need to consider because of the new tax laws. We're hitting that next on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. How do you make a gift to charity and make sure that even with the standard deduction now being higher and tax law changes different, that you're still getting as much tax benefit as possible? We're going to be talking about that here right now. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Thank you to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, soon to be Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for partnering with us on the Wise Money Show. We've been talking about gifting strategies. The first half of the show has been, what if you're gifting to individuals? So if you've got family members or friends or some, someone that you're trying to bless and you're gifting money to them, gosh, there's lots of questions there. Is it taxable? Is it taxable to them? Um, how can you, how should you structure it? So if you missed any of that, be sure to catch the uh, first half of the show on the podcast or on the website. We're about to turn the discussion to gifting to nonprofits. If you have a question, find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can call or text 574-222-2000. And last, you can submit questions and follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Just search Wise Money Radio. So Ron is 52. He's from New Carlisle. And here's what he asked. I prepare my own taxes every year. The past several years, I've itemized around $20,000 of total deductions. With the new standard deduction being $24,000 for a married couple, it looks like I won't itemize this year. Is there anything I can do to still get a tax benefit for the gifts that I make to my church? It's a great question, Ron. And I like how you phrase that as the gifts I'm still doing. Yeah, that stood out to me as well. Gifting should be in your heart and Mm -hmm. in your character, not purely motivated by taxes. And I wrestled with this when I was first 
enlightened in learning about financial planning. Okay, well, wait a second. I can get some tax benefits for this. So should that wield what I do? And I, I, I don't think it should. But you are a steward. And so you should be mindful of how you can do your normal giving out of your heart and still get as much tax benefit as possible. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And the thing to keep in mind here is you're, you're exactly right. You have your numbers accurate, Ron. You're saying that you used to be able to build your own write-off and it accumulated to about 20000 each year. But now the government's offering you a freebie of 24000 So how are you going to be able to build one that's better than that? And there are some folks out there that use a strategy of kind of bunching up some of their uh, contributions for, for charitable giving where they will give two years in one, mm-hmm. you know, rather than wait until January 1 to gift money f- uh, for next year. Maybe they squeeze an extra gift into this year, right in the end of December. And so essentially you're getting two gifts done in the same calendar year, which might allow you to creep up over that 20, 24,000 threshold that the government has now created. And so the folks that are bunching, it, you're kind of looking like we're going to be able to itemize one year and then not itemize an axe and then itemize one year. So I'm seeing it every other or every third year where when you're bunching dollars together, you're... Um, itemizing one and then off a couple. Yeah. So so just to keep the math in mind here, Ron, if you are used to having write-offs of 20000 and you need to exceed 24000 now before it benefits you in any way, the first four grand of that extra bunching of gifts is, is not going to do anything for you. It's only the dollars that go above and beyond that. And the, the issue that I have with this is, you know, I'm familiar enough with I don't know how large the church is that you attend, but there are some churches that if you were to change the pattern of your normal giving, it actually would have an impact on their right. budgeting and their right. planning and paying bills and things. Um, so I, whatever you do, this is meant to be a blessing. For, some of you would view this as an act of obedience. Um, uh, whatever it is, it's a, it's a generous spirit that you're trying to bring and you want to benefit the organization that's, that's receiving it. So it, you know, it's not out of the question to have a conversation even with some of the leaders within that organization and tell them what you're what you're doing. There's another strategy, actually, um, that we've done this year with uh, many clients who are over the age of 70 and a half, where it's similar. You know, I've had some clients that they would tell me every week, you know, we're dropping some dollars in the offering plate at church, or there's an organization that we're supporting on a monthly basis. And if they instead gift a lump sum of dollars straight out of their IRA, there is a strategy that would allow them to get an even better tax benefit because they don't even have to count that uh, distribution from their IRA as income on their tax return. 70 and a half, that's the magic number there. Even if you turn 59 and a half and you can start taking money out of your IRA, they still don't let you do this. You got to be 70 and a half for that one. Right, you have to be 70 and a half for that one. And the idea is I'm not trying... I, I, that is not going to help me with my deductions. Right. So right. as far as I, I've I've said, hey, I'm going to take the standard deduction. I'm not worrying about itemizing. You, or you still could itemize depending on what your other gifts are. But you say, hey, this money, I'm not going to um, 
get a deduction on my taxes, but you do in the fact that you don't pay any taxes on it. I'm going to go and possibly embarrass myself here because I haven't done this. I just had to research it for a client, and it's looking like the research is suggesting that you can. You can do a qualified charitable distribution, what we're talking about, the one where you take money right out of your IRA and send it to the charity on an inherited IRA. I don't think so. You don't think so? So I was just doing some research, and I found a couple articles suggesting that you can. All right. All right. Well, I'd love to read those. Yeah. Um, the the other issue here is you have to be 70 and a half before you do this gift as well. It's not the year that you turn 70 and a half. We were so close to making that mistake with a client oh, earlier wow. this year. Um, those of you that have heard the age 70 and a half, the, the reason it's significant is when you reach that age, the IRS requires that you start pulling money out of the IRA every single year or out of your retirement accounts. It's because they want to tax you on that money. So they do a calculation, or you have to do a calculation, to pull money out every year, uh, a minimal amount. And what this new rule allows you to do is instead of receiving that money and counting it as income on your tax return, you can now send it directly to the charity of your choice and then not even have to count it on the tax return. For many of you, that is better than trying to take a deduction on that old Schedule A, you know, trying to itemize and build up your own deduction. The reason is by reducing your income sources, not counting that IRA distribution, you may actually be reducing the amount of uh, your Social Security that gets counted on the tax return as well. Mm -hmm. So you can get a double benefit potentially uh, by doing this type of a strategy. I've, I've been showing a lot of folks on tax projections this time of year how the strategy we implemented earlier in the year is having such a major impact on their tax picture. Yeah, and, and the contrast is I take $10,000 out of my IRA, put it in my checking account, and write a check to the church. Mm -hmm. That's it, if, And when I do that, that does influence how much of my Social Security would be taxable and yeah. all of the other things. And I will pay Indiana or Michigan tax on that money as well. Good point. Mm -hmm. yep. And so if I send it to the church, I do not pay federal taxes or state taxes on that, and it does not impact my Social Security. So it's a big deal. Another, uh, there's a couple other considerations here when you're trying to make, when you're when you're giving to a nonprofit and you're wanting to make sure you're getting as much tax benefit as possible. One of the other things that we've talked about in the past is, well, are you giving cash? Most people are used to just giving on a monthly basis. And I've had some people argue as I share some creative strategies, they say, nope, I view it as sacrificial giving. It's got to come out of my monthly budget. And, and if that's you, I'm totally, that's fine. That is just fine. If, if you view it as, nope, these are just resources I have stewardship responsibilities for, whether income or assets. Well, if you have appreciated investments in a non-IRA account, you could gift those dollars, those assets, sorry, not dollars, you could gift those assets to that nonprofit and you get, you could give them that full amount or whatever the amount is, but then when they sell it, they don't have to pay tax on that growth, on that gain. Whereas if you were to sell it, and this is a little Jedi mind trick, 
Because even if you say, well, I wasn't going to sell that this year. Yeah, but whenever you sell it, mm-hmm. whenever you road. do, it, mm-hmm. it, even if it's down the road and whatever, then you're going to have to pay the tax on it. So it's a way of avoiding some tax and getting some tax benefit for a gift by just simply saying, now I'm going to give this asset instead of this income. There's a couple other things. You might have heard of something called a donor advised fund. There's a few other issues that we need to talk about when you're giving dollars to a charity. Also, state tax benefits for gifts. We're going to hit that and hopefully a few more questions as well. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Have you heard of something called a donor-advised fund? Should you consider it? Is it the right strategy for you? Why would you even have it in the first place? All of that we're going to be talking about in just a second. Thanks for being with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you've missed anything, you can catch up on every previous episode in several ways. First, online, wisemoneyradio.com. Every episode's right there. You can listen while you work or whatever. You just have it pulled up on your browser and listen right there. Every episode's also on the YouTube channel. We record the studio while we're in here, and uh, you can watch the video right there on the YouTube channel. Subscribe to it. You can share it, like it, submit questions that way as well. Lastly, every episode's also podcast, and I've actually I've shared this a couple times, but as people are traveling and the holidays and whatever, if you've got a long drive, you want to binge some podcasts, we've had fans of the show say that they've done that and they've enjoyed it, so you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, but iTunes, Google Play, the normal ones, yep. Uh, just search Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. That's Corhorn with a K. All right. We are in the middle of a question from Ron about gifting to a charity and nonprofit. And with the new tax law changes where essentially standard deductions have been doubled, I might not get a tax benefit for these charity uh, donations that I'm making. Are there still some ways that I can get some tax benefit? We've been sharing a couple. I want to pick back up with something called a donor advised fund. Kevin, can you talk about what that is real quick before we talk about the application of it? Yeah, to oversimplify, it's a a fund where I write a check and I put the money in the donor advised fund. And once the money goes in, I get the deduction. So I get that deduction that year. And I have really a. I'm gonna need some help. You got a frog in your throat. That's what you have. (laughs) I mentioned earlier, Kevin's got a beard going right now. So I I don't know. Maybe you got a furball in there, Kevin. (laughs) I'll help you out, Kevin, while you clear your throat. Thank you. Uh, So, so a donor advised fund. It's almost like an investment account, a pool of money that you can build up to get a tax write-off in the year that you make the contribution, but then the dollars can be invested in growing for future gifts. Think of it, 
You could almost run this as if you've built your own little endowment. That's right. Right? You, you know, you, you set up an account, whether it's with Fidelity or another uh, company, you shift either cash or stocks, you know, other, other assets into this account. And uh, the nice thing is, is that this donor advised fund is essentially a charity. It, it gives you the tax write-off when you shift money into the pool. And now you get to invest the dollars and uh, as it kicks off income or as you want to raid the principal to, sh- to send dollars to the, uh, the charities of your choice, you can do that over time. Think about this. This, this addresses two big problems. And I just got really excited about one because I was thinking of a client case that I'll share with you in just a second. But the other one, we talked about a problem earlier. If you're bunching gifting and you're trying to help an organization that is relying on donations, and all of a sudden you go silent on them for 12 months, that might really harm the And you're not wanting to do that. Mm -hmm. You're not wanting to harm. You're wanting to help. You could set up a donor-advised fund, and you can structure it so that the money gets passed on to that organization that you're trying to support on an ongoing, frequent basis so it helps them with cash flow. The other thing, though... And this just got me excited. I had some new folks come in who sold a little retail shop that everyone loves in the area. And they popped in and uh, and said, hey, we want to talk about planning now that we've got these proceeds. And, you know, I'm also concerned about taxes and so on. And we were talking about some of these gifting strategies. But I didn't talk about for this year. And we only have a couple weeks left. Yeah. They could put a big chunk into a donor advised fund because they're going to have big income this year and big taxes. Yeah, I had a, a client that um, just had a liquidity event, and they said, hey, we want to put 10% of the proceeds. We want to gift it, but we are not exactly sure where we want to gift it. We, we want to give to our church, but we don't think we want to give it all to the church. And I said, well, let's get the credit because it, this is – happening right now so let's get the credit you're gonna the deduction yes is what you're meaning but the, the benefit i think is what you're you're saying there yes get the benefit in the year that you have the income yes take it now and then the dollars will be spread out to the charities uh at the timing that you choose i've seen some families where they'll use a donor advised fund to get kids involved as well. Yeah. You know, they they either help contribute or they help decide as a family, what are the organizations, what are the missions that we care about the most and and how do we want to support them together? But this is the year. This is the year to match the benefit with the tax situation because never again, as far as we can tell, will they have a tax year where they're going to be paying taxes on millions and millions and millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. So if that's your situation this year, this would be the year to crank a bunch of money into a donor-advised fund, and when the dust settles, you, you can decide how to distribute it. Let me, let's go back to just a couple basics here that, that need to be mentioned when we're talking about charitable giving and taxes. With all the hoopla going on about tax law changes and deductions and charitable contributions, if you're still going to itemize, you'll still get your full normal charitable deduction. Donate, you know that it's going to work like normal. I I I'm a little concerned for some of the nonprofits out there because there's been so much discussion about this. It's gotten people into a frenzy. Listen, if you're already going to itemize because you've got enough mortgage interest and enough state and property taxes and all that other stuff is going on like normal, you're going to itemize anyway. 
it really doesn't apply to you. <laughs> so you can just continue to donate like you normally have done and you'll get the normal tax benefit. So so keep calm and donate on, I think is what mm-hmm. I would say. Okay. Um, but then the second thing to mention is we still have this incredible tax credit in Indiana for donating dollars to an Indiana college or university. Huge deal. And we had uh, we had a great time with Dr. Uh, Chenoweth on the program a couple weeks ago um, talking from, from Bethel College. From Bethel college right. uh, and we, we talked about this a little bit. Josh, I don't know if you want to share it again, how exactly that, that works, or Kevin? Yeah, I, I think what you're referring to is that in Indiana, when... Uh, Hoosiers, or at least those who are filing an Indiana tax return, if they gift money to a college or university here in the state of Indiana, uh, you get a tax credit for 50% of the money that you donate up to $200 per spouse. So each spouse or or each married couple, let's say, that donates $400, they're going to get 200 of that right back on their tax return within within the Indiana system. And that's a big deal because, you know, I, I, I'm actually familiar with uh, the donation um, patterns of most schools. A healthy school has around 20% of their alumni, for example, that gift back to the school. 20%. And, you know, the other four-fifths of those uh, alumni, of that alumni base, still get this credit if you live in Indiana and you're given to an Indiana school. So I would hope that the Indiana colleges and universities have a much higher than 20% uh, donation or or support from their alumni because of this tax, tax benefit. Yeah, but here's the deal. I'm a Chippewa, right? So I went to Central Michigan University. Mm-hmm. I can still write a check for 400 bucks to Bethel yep. because I'm married. Um, 400 is the cap that I get credited on, but I get a $200 credit on my state tax return. And if I'm itemizing, I get to that, that, uh, that $400 works against my federal taxes as well. That's right. Let's, let's just recap all of this. With the new tax laws, and we said this earlier, whether you're giving money to a family member, an individual, or to a charity, it's it's critical to have a planning approach. Yes. Kevin gave an example earlier about if you're, you know, you, the end result as far as a gift is still the same, making a $25,000 direct contribution into a 529 in one year. The net result to the recipient is going to be the same. But with a planning approach the net result to you could be thousands of dollars of difference. So I, I like with every show, we want you to take your next wise step in your financial life. And some of you hopefully got some new strategies or have some new ideas percolating. But hopefully most of you are thinking, I, I, need, to, I need to involve my certified financial planner who's doing comprehensive financial planning into my giving strategies to make sure I'm doing everything appropriate. So, all right, that is all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for being with us. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and myself and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.